The following podcast contains coarse language and adult themes. This week on the show, it's part two of our Very Merry X-Men series, and all things old are made new again as we discuss the soft reboot slash prequel quadrilogy stretching from first class to future's past, Apocalypse's blue ass, and of course, the Phoenix last. I'm Riggs. I'm Eddie. And this is the Filmatics Podcast. Hey folks and welcome back to the Filmatics Podcast. I'm Apocalypse's blue bum. Uh, I'm here with Addy. <laughs> Addy was laughing hysterically during that um, during that intro and uh, we had to wait a minute so that he could compose himself. How are you, friend? I am good. Uh, the blue ice is perfect. Good. That's I thought that it would be. Big juicy, juicy blue booty. Um, God bless. God bless Apocalypse. Uh, so here we are. We're back. It's episode two of, uh, of our X-Men series. We're going to be focusing, as I said, on the uh, uh, s- sequel, prequel trilogy series. I mean, it mostly mostly prequel because they, apart from Days of Future Past, they're all set before the original films that debuted in 2000. Um, and then Days of, Fu- Days of Future Past sort of retconned everything and... and, and change the timeline and shit um but that's okay we're gonna go through it and we're gonna uh, break it all down but before we do that how how are you what's going on for you sir mutant and proud i am doing good this is the new year and it's the it's the it's the year of the mutants it is yeah 2023 the year of mutants um is there any any rumor going around or we're getting anything mutanty this year who knows maybe maybe an ant-man or something ah maybe yeah, it's got a, kind of a little bit, um, as far as the mutant stuff goes from the Disney camp, they're not really revealing too much, despite the fact that the guy from the really good looking dude with them abs, you know, with them tight abs from um, uh, Top Gun Maverick, you sent me that video of him being interviewed by the dude from Sonic, yeah, um, or John Ralphio from Parks and Rec, uh, and there's he was kind of alluding to the fact that maybe this guy's been cast as Wolverine, but I think it was just a bit of a joke. Yeah, also, Glenn Powell is too old. If they're going for... And he's probably... gone. I was just going to say, he's probably too tall, but then I was like, hang on a second, Hugh Jackman's 18 foot 6 foot 12 or whatever the fuck he is. Like, he's a big dude, so... But yeah, you'd think they'd skew younger so they get more movies out of him the way they did with the Tom Hollands. I just, I just want them to do justice to these mutants. That's all. Yeah, well, more than... I mean, I know these prequel movies are kind of your... They're your speed of X-Men. Um, uh, and, and we'll talk about more next week about sort of what we hope the future to be. But there is there is a disservice going on in the back half of these sequels because they were they were being produced post-Marvel kind of output. The, the, you know, the big Marvel movies had started to come out and they these movies suffered because of it, I think of it, because they tried to... They tried to fill too many gaps and they couldn't do it. They should have just maintained. But anyway, let's get into it. Uh, 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 but before we do get into what I favoritely call meat and potatoes. It's just, I love it so much. Every time you send me the schedule, I'm like, yeah, the meat and potatoes are X-Men. Um, we're going to do, what are we watching? Timing's good. Every, every, every week it gets better and better. Um, so what are you watching? You said you were doing a game. We're going to do a game today. Is that right? 
Yeah, so um, The Last of Us comes out on HBO on the 15th, which is tomorrow for us. Sure, with Pedro Pascal. With Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey from uh, Game of Thrones fame. Is that what she's from? Yep. Okay. She's done other stuff as well. I just know her from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah, I think everybody's kind of, you know, knows her. Ex- not exclusively from that, but mostly from that. Yeah, and uh, I played the game. It's the first game I've ever played, and it got me really emotional. Really? Okay. It's, it's, um, do you know what it's about? Have you played it? Well, it's about these, uh, these two people, and, uh, they're the last of us. So, <laughs> I have no fucking idea. I don't play video games. I, I, I mean, that's not to disparage them. Like, I, I, I love it. I think it's great that people play when I have lots of friends who are t- Twitch streamers and stuff like that. But it's just, um, maybe I'm might be too old. I don't know. I'm, I, I like, dun, 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 and I grab a, a flower and shoot a fireball at a at a at a sentient mushroom. That's what I enjoy. But everything else is a little too complex. That was a Mario Brothers joke, everyone. <laughs> For all our young listeners, sorry. G- keep going. Uh, no, I, I don't know what it's about. Sorry. Yeah, um, it's about this uh, this world that's it's after the after a huge pandemic of fungal uh, viruses. That, that so it is like Super Mario Brothers. There are fungi going around, sentient fungi causing an issue. That's amazing. It's basically the last of Mario's. Shit. <laughs> it sort of is, you know, a little bit. We, it's Mario we, and his daughter. Um, okay, so there's been a pandemic. Yeah, and so what happens is that this, uh, this fungal infection, basically, it takes over the body and it turns you into a non-living being but also like it uses the last amount of energy that you have so it's it's kind of like you become a zombie but from by like your zombie form is is the monster from uh, the quiet place movies oh right okay one of those right? big sort of uh, 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 langolier looking motherfuckers yeah and there's this character called Joel who's Who's been there since day one of the of the breakout of the virus, and like there's a there's an opening, and I I think the first episode is like ninety minutes long, and sixty minutes of it is gonna be the the opening, which is gonna be hard to watch, because I I I played that and I was like I can't do it, I couldn't touch the game for two months. Really? It's, yeah. It's that seems to be the thing. There's there's another one as well, another game. I, I can't remember what it was called. Sorry, but people are getting caught up in the emotion of, of what's happening. It's like a, it's like a cinematic experience that you're you're in, which is really super cool. Yeah, I think it was God of War that that brought the that brought back everything, like the cinematics and everything. Very much the most recent one as well. I remember the the um the writer Mark Bernardin was posting about it, saying that it's. It's hit a sweet spot for him, fathers and sons, kind of thing. Uh, the new God of War. So yeah, I mean that's that's beautiful. What, however, you can tell stories, get it done, you know. Yeah, the main story is about Joel uh, carrying this cargo, who's who's a girl, who's a fourteen-year-old girl, I think. Her name's Ellie, and she's immune to the bite. So ah, uh, there's always one of them. Yeah. So like she's like. In 
I think when we meet her, she's been, at least in the game, when we meet her, she's been bitten for a week. And the mark's there, but she's not turning. And what happens is that usually in 24 hours, you go through a cycle where you eventually turn into those things. And it's it's Joel's mission to to get her to an organization called the Fireflies, who are like the rebels against the, the government who hasn't been able to control this. And it's just rich people getting rich. But they don't dive into that. It's implied, but they don't dive into that. And uh, there's a part two also. I haven't played it. But yeah, the part one was, it's an experience, especially for someone who hasn't played any game before. Yeah, okay. That's, yeah, sticking like, sorry, jumping right in the deep end, honestly, with, as far as gaming is concerned, you might want to start with a light Super Mario Brothers or something. Um, <laughs> well, that's cool. I'm excited to see the show. Is there anything else you've been diving into this week? Oh, it's the Tower sequence. So... Force Awakens, Last Jedi, and Rise of Skywalker? I've seen up until The Last Jedi. I've seen the trailer for uh, The Rise of Skywalker. But you haven't watched it yet? How do you feel about them? Do you, do you like them more than the prequels? The, the, the prequels is so much fun. I, I think they had they, there was at least more of a, like a uniformity of, of what they were as opposed to the new ones, which were just kind of made up as they went along. Yeah, there's, there's a sense of that, especially like, when you see the last Jedi, and then you're like, "Well, what's gonna happen next?" I feel, I feel like the prequel trilogy just it needs to stay away from all the comparisons because it was such, like, even like look, because I watched the prequel prequel trilogy like fucking six months ago, and it's a time capsule. Like it's before it's before the dramatic effect of of the the original trilogy, and as far as the as far as the sequel trilogy goes, I don't think there's much to do there to compare with the 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 prequel trilogy. Yeah, I get that, man. It's it's. I think that there's there's comparisons to be made, but you also have to kind of look at them and go, well, these are two separate things. And the same with the originals, you know, that you can. That's why people get upset because it's not what they want it to be, as opposed to just accepting what it is, which is sort of what movies just should be. Um, but as long as you're having a good time, Rise of Skywalker looks good. Um, I don't remember anything about the story, honestly. <laughs> it's sort of it was. I watched it at the beginning of 2020, so uh, and I haven't got, I haven't gone back, so I can't can't help you there. But good luck. Um, let me know how you go. Was there anything else that you've been watching or playing for that matter? Super Mario Brothers. Dun, 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 dun. I've pl- I've played the Mario games. I've played Donkey Kong. I'm I'm not I'm not that like not not into games. It's just. It's different. It's a difference when you go to go into an arcade and play a game than like have a console and playing a game. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I totally get that. Um, and Donkey Kong Country, fucking rules. Anyway, for myself, by the way, I just what want to say you've if, been watching. Sir? Yeah, I was going to say what I was, just if anyone can pick up in the background of of this audio, I'm not sure if it'll it'll come up with the with the um with the mixing that I do on it, but if it can, you might hear the pitter patter of a number of small feet, um, or perhaps my fiance talking to four cats, um, and it's hysterical because every now and then I just hear him running. So if you can hear it, that's four kittens that we have right now. Anyway, what am I watching? I've only got one thing I want to talk about, and I saw it last night, and uh, it was amazing. The Fablemans. Have you seen it yet? Uh, no, it comes out in February for us. It's beautiful, and it's wonderful. And um, the way that I described it to, to um, my fiance when we were driving home was, 
an artist will often investigate their craft um, and they will do it uh, uh, by trying different genres, which Spielberg absolutely has, um, trying different techniques of things, which Spielberg has, uh, trying out different partners of, to work with, uh, which he has, even though he's worked pretty exclusively with um, John Williams as a composer and um, Johannes Kaminski as his uh, uh, DP for quite a few years. By the way, this film should win Best Cinematography. It's amazing. Um, but what they what they seldom do at the same time is investigate themselves. You know, the, the, the inner journey that we all do eventually where you try and figure out what what means the most to you and why and and how that relates to how you express yourself particularly as an artist so those two things are, are, are mostly separate and and he has done them both at exactly the same time like it could come off as um a a, a grandstanding or or uh, could come off as hubris making your own biopic i mean it's not exactly that but it, it is based on his family and his life and if you've seen the documentary spielberg you, you can see the dna is all there it could come off as really you know self-centered and arrogant but it's not and he said it in his golden globe speech when he when he accepted the award he was like it's you know the truth this is paraphrasing but the truth of art is to is to show people who you are and he's like I'm 74 years old. I, I better do it. I better get to work and, and, and show everyone, you know, he's, he's been leading up, his entire career has been leading up to this. He's, he's made all these movies and bewildered everybody how, how he can have a mastery of the form in the way that he does. Whether you like his movies or not, you can't deny he's, he is an absolute uh, sharpshooter. Um, and, and he's gotten to the end of his career and he's looking back and he's like, where did this all begin? And it's that moment where, you know, Michelle Williams playing his mum, Mitzi, hands him the little camera. And he's like, we're going to we're gonna film this train set. Um, it was wonderful. It made me it made me so happy to be uh, in this industry. It, 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 my, my fiance calls it um, filling the cup. Uh, you know, you've, you refill your cup of... of and it's overflowing with the creative juices. Like I got home and I was, I'm, I'm reading a book at the moment called Eyes Wide Open, which is written by the, the screenwriter um, uh, uh, from Eyes Wide uh, Shut, which is the Kubrick film. And it's about his collaboration with Kubrick on that script. And I came home and I was reading that. And then I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who um, is a, I won't say anything because he is an established writer, but so I won't say who he is, but I'm working with a writer at the moment on a screenplay and we're back and forthing about it. And I had a bunch of ideas and I sent him like a, the first scene that I wrote and all that stuff. Like it just, it just charged me up. It's such a beautiful experience. It, it starts off as if it's like, I'm like, this is really saccharine and, 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 uh, uh, you know, glossy and formulaic. What's going on? Like, I don't know what, this isn't what I was expecting at all. I thought it was going to be more in depth. And then, you know, at the end of the first act, it all switches and that picturesque version of what his life as a young boy was turns, you know, quite dark. There's a lot of stuff about anti-Semitism. There's a lot of stuff about um, in mental illness and, and, and it's just, it's wonderful. 100% deserving of its praise. Um, I haven't seen a bad review of it. So when you get a chance, February where you are, Addy, or wherever you are, if you're in Australia, it's out now, must be seen. Fablemans, Spielberg, Check it the fuck out. That should go on the poster, actually. Check it <laughs> the fuck out. The name of the thing, his name. Check it the fuck out. That's <laughs> by Riggs. Um, but yeah, that's what I was watching. Shall we get into nerd news? And we'll we'll open with basically what I was just saying anyway. Let's get into nerd news. 
So as I was just saying, um, uh, the Golden Globes happened. I didn't watch them. Uh, the Fable Woman's won uh, Best Picture and Best Director, um, which is really fantastic. I'm, I'm I'm so happy to see that because it's, yeah, it's so expertly done. Um, I was I, yeah, I was really pleased. I was also really pleased to see that um, uh, Daisy Edgar Jones was there. I don't know what she was doing, but she was there. And that's all I need to know. Um, else in had, the, uh, she, uh, no, um, hold up, she had like three films come out last year, man. Yeah, I know, but I didn't know what like she was nominated for anything, or she was just there because she had where the crawdads sing and fresh and uh, something else probably. But oh, and she was in Under the Banner of Heaven as well, so that's probably yeah. the three. Um, yeah, it's awesome, awesome. I just like seeing her about the place. Um, but in other Golden Globe news, and you sent this to me, and I picked the shit. Uh, Angela Bassett won, uh, won Best Supporting Actress for Wakanda Forever. Fucking thousand percent deserved. I don't know who she was up against, honestly, but it's... Fucking, that was a performance that kicks everyone's ass. That was probably the best performance, you know, by a, a minor character. Um, well, not a minor character, but a character in a smaller role, in a supporting role in a Marvel film of all time. Um, just, just incredible. And probably the first actress to win, uh, an award for the Marvel camp, um, that isn't, yep. wasn't visual effects based, um, which is really amazing and, and super deserving. Um, next in the nerd news, Francis Ford Coppola's, uh, film, uh, Megalopolis, uh, which he's financing himself. It's like $120 million or whatever. There's been all this stuff on the, on the, the, the worldwide web, uh, saying that it's, it's not going ahead and it's really difficult and he's fired all these people and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, it's all internet nonsense and we don't do that shit here. We talk about love and joy and movies. Francis Ford Coppola says Megalopolis is on schedule and filming will finish this spring. His exact words were, I love my cast. I love what I'm getting each day and I'm on schedule and on budget. And that's what's important to me. We'll finish the film, this uh, uh, the film spring of 2023. So maybe everybody shut the fuck up. I'm looking forward to that movie. I don't know what it is, but... I thought it was a remake of Metropolis. I don't think so. Who's going to make... Who is remake Metropolis? It's ludicrous. Uh, but then again, it probably will be, and you'll be right. Also, this is interesting. There is a, a M&M... You know, an M- you know an M&M? Yeah. The, the candy? No, not the candy. The wrapper. M&M. Yeah. Not m M&M, and Slim Shady. Not M&M's. <laughs> I know. <laughs> m and M&M's, the, the, the chocolate, the, the candy-covered chocolate, uh, M&M's, and 50 cent, a piece, a 50 cent piece, are also, which is weird, two inanimate objects producing a TV series. It's amazing. Um, no, the rappers uh, Eminem and 50 cent, who are both actors as well, are producing an 8-mile TV series, um, which is pretty cool. 8-mile is a really good film. Like, if you if you want to go back and check that out, it's it's really well made. Curtis Hansen is, a, is an awesome director, and Eminem's is a good actor. Um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm super keen for that. 50 Cent also produces the TV series Power, which is apparently really good. I haven't watched it, but, you know, there's some Boda Fides there. Why not? And I saved this one for last just for you, sir. <clears throat> Excuse me. Paul Mascal, a.k.a. Dick Grayson, a.k.a. Nightwing, please. 
um, has joined uh, the production of a film that will go for 20 years, um, which is really cool. Uh, Paul Muscow will replace Blake Jenner in Richard Linkletter, who was the director of Boy, which I think was shot over 10 years, um, in a musical adaptation of Mer- uh, Merrily We Roll Along. Production of the film will take place over the next 20 years. Um, the story follows Franklin Shepard, a delighted, uh, sorry, a delighted, maybe he's delighted, I don't know, a talented Broadway composer at the height of his Hollywood fame and moves backwards in time, showing snapshots of the most important moments in Frank's life uh, that shaped the man and what he, and who, that uh, shaped the man that he became. So I'm assuming they're going to shoot it like they're shooting the flashbacks now. And then by the time they get to, you know, 20 years from now, when Paul Mescal will be what, a little under 50, probably be 45 or something. I don't know how old he is. They'll be shooting the stuff that is current, which is super cool. Um, it's a really interesting thing to do. Uh, I don't know how that works and how you maintain a uniformity of image, if nothing else. But I guess, you know, that, that that's not super important. The other one that I thought was weird that happened with that was um, some years ago... Uh, uh, who was the actor? I think it might have been John Malkovich joined yeah. the production of a film with uh, that Robert Rodriguez was directing that was being put in a vault and wouldn't be released for another hundred years. Okay, so it wasn't a hundred years. The film's actually been made. It's been it's been sitting in the vault for like ten years, and it's going to be released in twenty fifty. Twenty fifty is it? Oh, yeah, okay. if the world is still alive. That's in twenty fifty. I don't know. We're rolling the dice on that one. But that was the nerd news. I hope you enjoyed it. It's all joy. It's all love. Let's get into the meat and potatoes. We're talking about the X-Men prequel quadrilogy. Uh, Super cool. Let's go straight in. Uh, I want to ask you, these are your X-Men pictures. How do you, how do you feel about them? Like, what is it? What does this do for you? I mean, do you have like a one that kicked you off did you see first class first or so sort of yeah give me give me a background before we get into each picture oh yeah i saw first class first it was it was that's a good way to start <laughs> it's the only way to start exactly it was my it was my introduction or really introduction to the x-men because i'd forgotten all about the original trilogy and i was a teenager and i watched i watched first class and uh, i didn't know what else to do so i watched apocalypse and then I discovered that there's a film called Days of Future Past. And it be- and then it became my favorite superhero film ever. Which one, sorry? <laughs> Days of Future Past. Days of Future Past. Yeah, it's it's it is it's incredible. It's a it's a really amazing feat of juggling, if nothing else. Right. Have you seen the rogue cut? No. Okay, so I've seen both cuts though. It's just they've just added in because I know that, that um uh, uh, Anna Paquin features in it at the end. Uh, just briefly after Logan comes back and the timeline has been reset and it's a new future where Jean's alive and Scott's alive and all that stuff. Um, and how much more of you, her do you get? Is she Actually, she's the one who's sending him back in time, isn't she? It's not Kitty. Yeah, so uh, she takes over from Kitty. And the thing is that they're making, like, they're, like, they're making Sentinels. From her blood, basically, because because Mystique's dead, so they're taking they're taking her power and then mutating her her mutating her mutation into taking over mutation permanently. Right. Okay. And so, why do you think they cut that out and change that? 
I honestly don't know because it has one of the most amazing parallels in all of X-Men films where there's there's Magneto from the original trilogy working with the X-Men and there's there's a scene where he's like the Sentinels are being they're, they're following uh, they're following Bobby and Magneto as they rescue uh, the rescue rogue from from the mansion and bring them to bring her to the bring her to the temple where they are and he's like they're on a train and he's as as the train's passing he's uh, destroying the train tracks and in the and in the parallel it's uh, it's uh, Magneto from the past played by uh, Michael Fassbender who's who's kind of doing the same so he's working against the x-men and we have contrast of uh, magneto working with the x-men it's amazing to see because we didn't get that in the original trilogy and like i think that's what made made this quadrilogy so amazing is that that one scene before both eric and charles die they shake hands and eric says all these years of fighting with each other if only we would have made peace that's not exactly what he says but he says that and that's what that's what this is like in in these four films we only ever see may need to lash out once which is in days of future past and he realized every time he's gonna do that mutants are gonna die so he goes into exile every single time we see him in these four films he's always in exile he's always away from everything. Yeah, and then someone comes along and fucking murks his family. <laughs> then he comes yeah. back in and whoops everybody's ass. Like, he fucks up so many trains in these series. <laughs> he fucks up every train that he sees. He's like, fuck that train, fuck this train, fuck that train. Like, he just sort of... The, the a bit in... Uh, I think it actually might be one of my favourite parts, like, in when we're doing the favourite top three, but I'm just going to talk about it now. In Dark Phoenix, and we'll jump around a bit, but... In Dark Phoenix, where they're the fight on the train, which is baller, by the way, oh, yeah. um, and he's like the last man standing, and he's he's literally like he closes his hand and crushes the the um, the last few carriages to you know seal in those alien the the aliens, and then um, and then just turns around and just flicks his wrist, and the whole train carriage just flies behind him, and we're watching it because I rewatched all these. Um, uh, last week um, with my fiance and she was like, she loves the X-Men pictures. Um, and I think they're her vibe, I, I, I don't know, even more so than the MCU in a lot of ways. And she was like, his level of power is is so well... Um, uh, so well... Uh, portrayed? So, thank you. Yeah, so well portrayed in these sequels. Okay, definitely in the... Sorry, the prequels. Definitely in the originals. But in these ones, it's even more specific. Like in Days of Future Past where he's... He's using a salt, sh- an empty salt shaker, and he's holding it up because it's got the metal end, and he's using that to project microfilm. Like he's got the light and the thing, and that's it. And also, he's stitching a wound in the back of his head, like just the and he, and the the helicopter that he he holds in Dark Phoenix, and then fucking flits away, and you know, pulling the ore out of the ground uh, in Apocalypse to fucking fuck up Sydney, if anything. Like, it completely destroys the Opera House. Um, it's weird to see that place get fucked up because I was walking around it like two months ago. But anyway, um, yeah, his his level of power is just spectacular. Like, the scene where his, his, I mean, spoilers, I shouldn't really need to say that because if you're listening to this, you've seen these pictures, but 
in the beginning of Apocalypse, <coughs> where he's where he's living with the family and his daughter can speak to animals and shit, which is super cool. And that person bow and arrows the the two. He gets his wife and daughter get full Robin Hooded, and um and then he uh, pulls the the necklace off it and uses it to just kill all these guys. And they all drop at once. Outstanding and Fassbender. In these, like I like James McAvoy, um, uh, and, and 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 a lot of the other actors as well, Jennifer Lawrence and stuff. But he is the the star in terms of his level of acting ability. Um, you know, in the in the plane uh, in Days of Future Past, where he's he, you know the the plane's like cracking as you know Charles is yelling at him, going, "You abandoned me," and he's like, "What about all the fucking people who you abandoned who are now dead?" Like we were supposed to protect them, you dick. And he's standing there perfectly still because he has control of everything. But the plane itself is collapsing in and falling out of the sky. Like just what a what a stone cold pimp of a character played by a guy who has the level of of authority to do that. You know, that was my Michael Fassbender rant. It's amazing, and yeah, especially if you watch First Class and him investigating and getting. Towards Shaw, that's his sizzle reel for being James Bond, man. Right. I I want I want any except answer. The first act of that film, or the first act in the second half, or the first half of the second act, of him going around yet yeah, hunting these dudes down. You know the scene in the bar um, where he finds those guys. And he has what looks like a very delicious beer, um, and. Uh, and, and you know he goes there and then and also he's the discovery of his powers like when he meets Charles and he's like there's goodness in you and and you the power comes from that place and he starts learning how to really really use his power and that's it starts with moving the 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 um, satellite dish thing and then at the end he raises a fucking submarine like uh, in a lot of ways these movies are his story I feel. Yeah, and it's it's a Magneto that's very different from the one that we've gotten before, where he mm. takes he takes he takes Charles' advice, and he there 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 is a point where he's very active with the Brotherhood, but as far as we know, he takes out the peaceful route every single time, like he's done fighting, but when oh but when they kill fucking when they kill Mystique, he's like fuck all this, and I, I love that because. I hate how it feels because the whole vibe of the whole vibe of the Dark Phoenix is that it's it's gone. Like we already know that these this cast, the story, everything, it's gone. Is the is the only film that's not scored by John Ottoman and it doesn't feature that amazing theme that goes that that goes through all the X Men films except for First Class. But I think it's at the end. Well, first class was kind of like let's like I said before, let's soft reboot, keep it in the same world, but different director, different feel. Like Matthew Vaughan, he he like he's a, he's a cartoon film producer. If you look at those Kingsman pictures, you can actually tell it. But Brian Singer, despite the fact that he's a fucking monster of a human being, had a little bit more understanding of the drama of what I think these characters can portray. You know, supernatural or or, or um, extra power kind of people that they are um and yeah when that thing came back in and that kind of aesthetic came back in it, it felt very uh it felt like something something old again new made new again seeing this thing that we'd seen before now portrayed in a different way 
Um, and then when you get to, by the time you get to Dark Phoenix and it's, it's Simon Kinberg, who was the writer on a lot of these pictures, um, you know, they, they again try a new thing where it's, I mean, in the States, it wasn't even X-Men Dark Phoenix. It was just Dark Phoenix. You know, they had absolute faith in the brand that this would translate. And Hans Zimmer's score for that movie is fucking dope. Like it's one of the darkest things he's done. Um, and I really like it, but you do, you're right. You do feel the absence of that, that sort of, uh, that original vibe. Yeah. And it's, uh, I, I love that score. I love everything that Hans Zimmer does, but it's like his, his dark score is probably one of the reasons why I, most of it just doesn't work because it's like his score for that film is, is that it's saying that something terrible is going to happen any second and you're always on the lookout for something bad while already, while already having the context that this is the last of these films, that we're, that we're never going to see this cast again. And it, it, it feeds into that. And uh, as, as much as I like Dark Phoenix, that's I, I don't like that score that much. And it's I, I love the ending. And when we do when we do the third episode and we go into the new mutants, I'll, I'll I'll tell why that's one of my favorite endings. But it's it's a it's it's a it's a bittersweet moment for for people that grew up watching those films, because 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 for me I can't ever be able to talk about the X Men and not think about that cast, because we. Like in the original trilogy, we see we see Magneto and Charles, and they're almost at the end of 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 their life, basically. Like Days of Future Past takes place thirty years after the first X Men film, and uh, in, in current time, it takes place seven years in the in the future. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's there. Let's talk about that for one quick second. And it's probably been talked to death on the internet, but the timeline of these pictures does not work. If the last one, if Days of... Fe- uh, sorry, Dark Phoenix is set in... Was it 1994? I think it's late 90s, right? So, like, 1994 to 99? No. It's, well, the original is... It, it says in the, the original, so it comes up and it says the not-too-distant future or whatever. So, and it, the movie came out in 2000. So let's say it's not too distant future. Let's say it's ten years after that, and 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 we'll say that Dark Phoenix is set in nineteen ninety five. Okay, because the the uh, the apocalypse was eighty four or eighty five. Uh, no, it was eighty five because they talk about Back to the Future. Um, I think. Anyway, I'm getting off track. The point is, Dark Phoenix comes out in nineteen ninety five, and let's say the the original of the, the first X Men picture uh, is set in twenty ten. How the fuck does <laughs> James McAvoy and Michael Fassbender turn into these two other dudes in 15 years? What happens in those ensuing 15 years? A lot of smoking cigarettes, I think, and, and, and you know, taking aging-enhancing pills. They've got that full-on Benjamin Button. Like, fuck me. Um, I don't know how the math works out, but whatever. Whatever. That's totally fine. It's all yeah. suspension of disbelief. Because in Dark Phoenix, when, I've made when my piece with, you've made your peace with it, I've made my peace with that question because for me, they don't have to. They don't have to look like those original versions. 
there's nothing saying that those films that we've watched are not part of an alternate universe and that anything that connected those films to the original films was left in uh, Days of Future Past. Yeah, I think that's kind of the feeling they were going for in the hopes of disconnecting themselves from that to continue forward and then Disney bought Fox and kind of fucked that all up. But the point that I'm trying to make is is that even if you dis like disassociate those from the these trilogy, this this quadrilogy rather, just forget about the originals and have them not connected. It's still first class is still set in the 50s and Eric Lencher is still a preteen, let's say, let's say thirteen years old, maybe twelve years old, in 1930 or 1939, or you know, the beginning of the Second World War, or let's say 1945 or whatever. It still means that he was born in 1930, 1932. So he should be in uh, 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 Dark Phoenix. He should be in his 60s. And and when uh, 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 Gene turns up to Genosha, they don't call it Genosha, but it's you know, Eric's safe haven that he's built for these things. And there's beautiful Michael Fassbender in a tight black long sleeve tee holding holding back goddamn uh what do you call them? Helicopters with his huge guns and 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 stuff. Nope. There's no sixty year old man who looks like that. Not at all. Unless they're drinking the blood of children. Which maybe he is, I don't know. Yeah, maybe he is. Or maybe he's got a mutant on the island who helps him stay young. Yeah. I mean, the amount of shit. Yeah, he might be getting that little touch. Oh, hang on. That, that sounded wrong. <laughs> He's not touching children. I'm just saying maybe this child comes up and just touches him and and like he, he gets some. It's like it's like Wolverine. Uh, you know, he's got the healing factor doesn't age properly. So maybe it's like that. <laughs> yeah, Wolverine goes touches some kids and then he doesn't age. Is that what you're trying to say? <laughs> If you've seen the end of Logan, you know that's not true because there's heaps of them kicking around, and um, and unfortunately, uh, he he touches a bunch and nothing happens. He still ends up fucking skewered. Um, not touches them like that. He's just around them. My God, talk about a tangent. So speaking of kids, um, <laughs> let's talk about uh, each of them individually. Starting with um, uh, First Class, which is our first uh, prequel. Um, set the 1950s uh, during the the um, Bay of Pigs um, sort of crisis when when mutants are still a mystery to everybody. Wonderful, youthful uh, version of uh, uh, Xavier here um, in James McAvoy, you know, using his mutant powers to be kind of a ladies' man, a bit of a lady killer, um, and he's there with Raven. I always thought it was strange that that you know. Not strange, but they have this pre-existing relationship, him and Raven, and she broke into his house and he's like, you don't need to steal anything. There's plenty of food and um, and all that. And then he brings it up briefly in Days of Future Past. He's like, you know, when I met her, she was a young woman named Raven and blah, blah, blah. Why did you never fucking bring that up in the other movies? You know what I mean? Like Mystique and Xavier are in all of those three movies and he never goes, oh, hey, like it's just... Anyway, hindsight's twenty twenty. Um... I do like first class. I particularly like the the um, the costumes and that last the last act um, is really cool. Um, I ha- I have a problem with the cutesy nature of it, especially considering it starts with the Holocaust again. Um, 
and Kevin Bacon, like as um, Shaw, is just outstanding. Like I, I, I love him so much. Um, where he's sitting there speaking German and being really nice and quaint, and then he's like, "Ah, oh, we're gonna shoot your mother in the head." Like, "Was the chocolate?" The kind of thing. Like, just he's just got it. I don't know what it is, but he has it. And um, it's sort of that middle part of the training sequence and all the youths and and the part where they're like, you know, tell everyone's giving each other names, like. Why are you doing that? I'm going to be Banshee. Why do you want to be named after a howling spirit? Like, we get it, guys. They're the X-Men. They don't need to... They're going to have code names. It's totally fine. And then she's reckons... What, what, what's her name? Uh, Jennifer Lawrence, you know, the Mystique says, Oh, we think you should be Professor X and you should be Magneto. Like, some fucking teenager gives him his name and he's like, Yeah, I'm going to take that on at the end of this movie. Get fucked. Well, he's never, he's never called himself Magneto, right? It's only the media that's called him that. Yeah, but I just, like, it comes from Mystique's character being like, hey, you should be Magneto. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to take that shit on. Like, no, you wouldn't. You'd fucking, you, you would make up your own nickname. And there's there's another thing as well. They definitely fuck in this movie, right? Yeah, I think they do. They do! Because he goes in and he's like, you know, what are you looking like that for? Look like yourself. And he's like, no... No, your real self. And then she turns into the blue mystique. He's like, perfection. And then he fucks her in blue form, which is great. Like, beautiful woman. Doesn't matter what color she is. Um, it can be a, a mutant blue. That's not a problem at all. Fill your boots, mate. But I just feel like he's supposed to be the teacher, you know? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Just seems a little inappropriate. It's like, yeah, yeah. you know me Magneto and now I've got the horn for you. It's weird. <laughs> <laughs> it was the horn line yeah i'm sorry um like we, we can grade them at the end but how do you feel about first class is this your is this the peak for you or because for me it's the lowest oh really just in execution it just kind of it kind of bugs me it's trying a little bit too hard to be an origin movie i actually feel the quite opposite like i i really enjoy it more like i've seen days of future past like a lot more times than i have first class and it's got it's gotten to a point where i can quote i can quote certain lines and certain scenes from days of future past and then like there are certain points where i'm like okay i need to shut it off now but first class like it always comes in and i just i love it and like it passes like for the amount of things that happen in that film it's very fucking short and it's also like it's a miracle that that movie fucking works because it was shot fucking it was like the pre-production the production the post-production the marketing and the release it was all under 10 months all of it that's insane and i'm like that's absolutely insane it's it's a fucking it's a fucking shame that they didn't get matthew one back for another x-men film because i would have loved to see his take on the Dark Phoenix, because they even have the fucking classic suits in that one. Yeah, well, I mean, the, the suits in Dark Phoenix are, are from the 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 uh, Grant Morrison run from the early two thousands. That with the big X, um, you know, across the shoulders and stuff. Um, yeah, it was like a proper X Men movie. And do you know what? That's exactly how I feel about these films. It's like those films are proper X Men films for me. Because you don't you don't get it, this team working together so much in in the first three films with uh, with Patrick Stewart, and 
this one, they, they go out of their way to at least have one sequence in every film where these these people are actually a team. And it's... I know we're jumping around a bit, but I love Apocalypse. Uh, I rewatched it for for like in preparation for this podcast. I love X Men Apocalypse, and it's the last. It's the last fucking scene, man. It's the last fucking scene in the whole. It's Mystique saying, "You're the X Men now," and she's wearing the costume. Everyone else is wearing the costume, and then they had to do the fucking X, the fucking Dark Phoenix. Of course they did. Of course they did, because it's what they want. They think everybody wants to see. When really, it would have been just good to just do a sequel to, to Apocalypse, you know. Um, and also the door closing on Xavier was super cool. That whole music piece at the end, at the end of Apocalypse, where they're in that room, and it's, it's, uh, fuck man, I get goosebumps even talking about it. It's, it's Cyclops in the fucking original uh, Cyclops costume with the, with like the whole belt with the X on on the. On the shoulder, going down with with the fucking glasses, and he turn he turns around and mistake is like you're not students anymore, you're not kids, you're X Men, and like the 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 plates go out and then like the Sentinels come in and it shuts on Xavier and, and like the whole music theme. It's called You're X Men. It's it's so hopeful. It's so fucking hopeful. And then you get Dark Phoenix. Yeah, it seems like I mean I will agree with you there. It does seem like it's. Uh... It's gearing up for something that wouldn't that would have been not Dark Phoenix, but I think they panicked and were like, "No, we need to do this story because now we've got you know the Game of Thrones lady to be Jean, and she's fine. She's not great in 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 um in Apocalypse, but she's she's pretty good in in Dark Phoenix. But um the thing that you again we were saying it before, it's the use of powers throughout this film which make it uh, uh um. In, in the, the last three films, not so much in first class, but in the other ones, the, how they use their powers in interesting ways. Like the opening of Days of Future Past where Blink is is teleporting people, you know, in the same room, but into different positions and where she, she teleports um, uh, Colossus like up in the air so that he can get velocity to come down. And then she teleports him again so that he's then pointed towards a sentinel. And with all of that velocity of the big drop, he hits this guy off the thing like... That kind of stuff is is super super cool, um, and I think that that first class kind of missed that because it was too busy. It was too busy letting you know who everybody was when really you could do that by way of showing what their powers are um, instead of the way that you typically expect them. So like Mystique changing into people all the time and stuff. The best use of that Days of Future Past, where she becomes Peter Dinklage. Um, yeah. yeah, which is strange because I I'd have thought she'd have to be at roughly the same size, um, but you know apparently not. Yeah, I I choose to ignore all that. Peter Peter Dinklage was a was was a perfect one off villain, and uh, I think like he pl- he plays he plays Trask in there in a very interesting way where Trask is not he's not a racist at least at least like when you first see him he's just curious. Well, yeah, he's almost he he admires mutants. He says that, you know. He says, "I I I uh, I'm interested by them." You know, they they are the next evolution of our species. But he wants to, you know, he wants to capture that. He wants to enhance that. He wants to enhance humanity by that. And the funny thing about that film as well is they never mention the fact that he's a small person. Yeah. Which, if that is the correct nomenclature, but I, I don't know if it is. But they never they never say fucking diddly dick about it. And in the previous movies, he was played by Bill Duke. 
um, from fucking Predator. Uh, so yeah, there's no and and the same with um, Striker as well, like played by all these different characters. But yeah, it's 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 interesting. He is a he is a, a villain in a way that because I mean the ultimate villain in Days of Future Past does end up being Magneto again. Yeah, it's it's his it's his origin story as as the villain. And you know what? I will I will never get tired of Magneto turning against the X Men and then eventually turning with the X Men. I will never get tired of it. <laughs> because Mike's a bit. Because Michael Fassbender is just so damn fucking good, man. He's just that good. Yeah. And he does. He he sells it every time. And you know, we'll talk about Days of Future Past. Like like I said, I like uh first class, it's fine. I think it's really glossy and overly lit, um, and, and a little too formulaic. But then Days of Future Past is is a really amazing act of, of structure and juggling of storylines. It's also better shot. Like um, I think Tom Siegel, I think is the, the um, name of the um, hang on. I'm just looking it up. Newton, Newton, Thomas Siegel. I think he's credited as Thomas Siegel. Um, uh, yeah. He is the, uh, the cinematographer. Um, he was in the originals as well. Uh, the original, the first two, he just has a better eye. I think, I don't know. Like it, it's just looks, looks more dynamic. There's more going on. It's better edited. Uh, Brian Singer, I don't know if he's a better director than Michael Vaughn, but he's better suited for this material. I feel. Um, and as I said before, despite the fact that he's a piece of shit, um, and, and days of future past is so such great storytelling. It's really lean, uh, it, it only there is nothing at the expense of anything else like it is it is only does what it needs to do to get you to the next movement and that's what a movie should do it should never be like and then it should be because so because this happens this is the the what happens here like the whole thing about logan regressing when he sees um a striker yeah and and then on the other end of that he gets he, you know the blades come out and he cuts kitty so that puts a timeline on you as well like it's just it's really uh, uh, amazing conservative storytelling in a, in a huge way. You're talking about three different timelines here. You know, one of them gets repaired. One of them is pretty dark. And one of them is this middle chunk of, you know, this time in the 70s, which is a really cool time to see the X-Men in because it was the decade in which that they were created, or at least the late 60s. It was during a time when... You know, people had lost faith in their government. We were in Vietnam. I say we the American army was in Vietnam. You know, there was a lot of people against it. That was us versus them. And, and you know, the, who are the ultimate minorities are, are, are mutants, people who it doesn't matter what color they are or creed or sex or anything. They are always going to be marginalized because of their abilities. Uh, it, it really is. It's the high water market. It really is the best X-Men film that's ever been produced. Maybe a second only to, uh, uh, just um, below that would probably be Logan, um, but for a bunch of different reasons. But as an X-Men film as a whole, I, I can't fault it, really. Yeah, and it it doesn't get the appreciation that it deserves because I don't I don't think a lot of younger people who love No Way Home even know that that film exists, which is such a... <laughs> it's, such, it's such a hard... It's such a heartbreaking thing because, like, yeah, we had the fun service there, but, man, like, Charles meeting Charles... And then, like, the original Charles telling this new Charles that we need you to hope again. That, that our, collective, our collective good is that, is that not only are we able to, not only are we able to feel people's sorrow, but we're able to be with them in that time. And it's, 
it's fucking amazing man like, it, like that scene it tears me up every time because you don't like it's it's so perfectly set up because you see Xavier and is this whole quadrilogy he's he's so hopeful and so optimistic but in that film we see him lose all hope because everything that he ever worked for was taken away from him and it breaks his fucking heart it it breaks his fucking heart so much that that he that he wants to lose his mutation the one thing that brought so much joy to him that 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 brought this team together that bonded with so many people and then you see him have hope again and you see you see him go into uh, Logan's mind and he says oh, you poor soul and it's almost like it's it's comforting when you when you when you've seen uh, the first Wolverine film and it's like it's like a it's like a past that you know because it's acknowledged here my suffering from sitting through that film is 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 validated <laughs> that, that it is a powerful moment where he says you know you poor man I don't want your pain um you know we, we talked about it last week the, the the reality of these of these pictures of of what these powers would do to you um especially when they're not under control like imagine not being able to guard yourself from other people's thoughts i mean it's hard enough when you have to guard people from guard yourself from the shit that people say out loud uh or online or whatever that can be you know hateful and harmful and painful and or just plain fucking ignorant, but imagine hearing everyone's thoughts. Like it would be, it would be maddening, absolutely maddening. And you see that in Dark Phoenix with what um, uh, what Jean goes through. Uh, that scene in particular with um, uh, you know uh, McAvoy and, and and Patrick as as each other. That's that's real kind of wish fulfillment moment too. Like who wouldn't want to be as an older person? able to speak to your younger self and and impart knowledge of like i have been on the journey you're on and 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 i know two things one is it's all going to be all right in the end um or two these are the mistakes that you made and here's how to correct them which you know is is never the way that you should think because it, you know the past is behind you it's the road you've traveled it's and everything gets you to a certain point and you can't redo the past, so why why bother worrying about it? But to be able to to give your younger self knowledge and say we're going to be okay, um, what what a wonderful uh, use of that power again! A really interesting use of powers because I mean, I can't remember if we talked about it last week. I get mixed up with all the X Men's, but it, it really does do that in in the you know particularly in the and I'm not putting like knocking one thing down to, to raise another, but in the DC and the Marvel universe, like even people with specific powers like Ant-Man and stuff like that aren't, or, or, or uh, uh, Aquaman, they're not given much to do in the way of like expressing how their powers can be used in different ways. It's just sort of like everybody punches everybody, uh, uh, you know, or, or whatever it's the specificity around each person's ability maybe it's because they've only got one i don't know but around everybody's ability in these movies is is, is done so well and that's that's one of them representing and in apocalypse um uh, representing uh, uh the the fight that um charles xavier has in his mind with apocalypse you know in the in the mansion and and apocalypse grows big and keeps beating the fucking shit out of him and all that stuff and then Jean walks in and she's like fucking full gangster and just takes this homie out and it's just 
you know, I, I love seeing... Because that's what it is in the... Every time you read a new issue of X-Men comic book, they're doing some interesting shit with what, what their powers are. And I feel like the movies miss that sometimes. That's why these films and this this team and these characters mean so much to a lot of people. It's not only that they represent so much that's that's neglected by normal society. It's also that they they not only show the greatness of these powers, but also the struggle of having them. Yes. Like, like you said last week that like imagine being in like the first civil war and then in fucking 2000 you're like shit i don't age like imagine the sort of emotions that you that you'll feel it's and that's that's real and it's uh, it's amazing how how these films in particular were not like as much as I want to beat around the bush, not a lot of people watch these films. Like, no. as compared to the, as compared to the MCU, because if they would have, then we would have, then we would have gotten a completely different slate of X Men films after Apocalypse. I feel that yeah, yeah, I, I, I can't help but agree. And and I mean, do you speaking of Apocalypse? Let's let's get into that one because it is it is a really interesting picture. And um, you know, main man Oscar Isaac doing some amazing work um under four pounds of fucking grape roll-up or whatever the hell it is that he's wearing on his face um and and you know building that team and you know introducing nightcrawler again and and you know get like getting his 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 uh uh um four horsemen together one of them being magneto like it is the 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 part where he destroys um auschwitz um, is interesting because he is doing that anyway. Like, it, like that's exactly what Apocalypse is doing. He's doing that to humanity. It's almost the 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 antithesis of of what Magneto should believe. Like, even though it's human beings who did this, the idea of enslaving anybody should be an issue. Um, and, and where it isn't, like, there's some really interesting uh, conversations around. So one thing is right for one group and not right for another. Um, I do feel like there's peppered in a few too many things of like, it's cool to see Caliban and, uh, you know, introduced, uh, which is cool. And then you've got Psylocke as well, who's a really cool character, but that kind of feels like just an excuse to get Olivia Munn in knickers. Um, <laughs> really? I love Olivia Munn. I reckon she's great. Yeah. I just feel like that, that, that character in particular is just, is, 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 it's nerd candy, um, and that's that's fine. I understand you have to do that in places, but uh, it just it misrepresented her, her as a character and her as an actress as well. Olivia Munn's a great actress; she's wonderful in in Erin um, Sorkin's The Newsroom, just exceptional. Um, and and I just feel like that was kind of a missed opportunity. Um, and I'm glad Storm got to come back in um, uh, 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 Dark Phoenix at least to be a little bit more of a full character because she gets, you know, her and Angel get kind of, you know, sidetracked until the very end of that film. They kill Angel again. They do. They murked him. In the film that he was introduced in. The fuck's wrong with people, man? Brutal. Absolutely brutal. Um, But, you know, there's got to be stakes, I guess, and and, and if he's not safe, then nobody is. Um, How do you feel about Apocalypse? Like, I like Apocalypse. I think it's long. I think it's overly long. Um, and, and it's kind of trying to recreate some of the really great sequences, particularly with Quicksilver, um, that, that we saw in, in the, uh, in Days of Future Past. 
Um, but I still do think it is the the second best of of this uh, quadrilogy. H- how do you feel about it? Do you know what? I might agree. I might agree. Like that that whole that whole sequence in uh, that whole Quicksilver sequence in uh, Days of Future Past. It's it's brilliant because a you never thought you'd see fucking Quicksilver again. Yeah. B just to to make him so fucking cool is such a big risk, and it worked so fucking well. And uh, I I didn't think that they would be able to top the the sequence from Days of Future Past. But like the apocalypse one better. It's 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 better because it has emotional stakes as well. Because Havoc fucking dies. Also, sideline, can we all agree how fucking cool it was when Xavier pulled Havoc and said, wreak Havoc? Because I fucking cried, man. I screamed and I cried. I was like, oh to shit. Destroy, to destroy Cerebro. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> I do like the use of Cerebro in this as well. Like it's uh, you kind of see it as it's less of an artifice and more of a, a, a like a plot point more of an important thing that in the way that it was in x2 it's like well we're going to build one of these that's you know the the dark version of this um but yeah pretty cool he's just like fucking blasting this shit and the, the fact that he does get killed like absolutely there does need to be stakes um these things i i really like the quicksilver sequence as well that song is outstanding sweet dreams is so good um and you know, it's just an extended version. I, I I must say I do like the original better just because it's... We hadn't seen speed portrayed. Like, you need to remember this is a year... But actually, Days of Future Past... Yeah, Days of Future Past is a year before Age of Ultron um, uh, where we had Quicksilver represented as well. Um, and uh, we hadn't seen any... You know, like the Flash had a TV series, you know, from the 90s, but the Flash TV series, I don't think it started yet. Or if it had, it was in its early days. This was such a really good representation of that ability. Again, the, no, knowing how to use these these things. Like you see him flitting around and he's so fast and he's like, I checked your rental agreement while you guys were walking in. And I checked this and blah, blah, blah. And I've done this and he's playing Pong really fast. And you're like, wow, he's really fast. But then you understand the actual speed of it when you see that sequence and he's moving bullets with his hands. Yeah. Like, exceptional exceptional visual storytelling and and you know like and again in in apocalypse raising the stakes like he's got to save everyone and he does it with a fucking grin on his face and a hot dog uh, sorry a hot dog <laughs> a dog eating some pizza you know there's there's no functional reason for for james mcavoy to go bald apart from that he nearly gets you know <laughs> he nearly gets possessed by a centuries old egyptian mutant god like it's pretty fucking cool, um, and 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 to sort of get to where that gets to at the end, and 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 um, you do have that moment where uh, you know Jean comes out and she just steps onto nothing, just steps onto air, and he's like, "Ah, oh, all is revealed," and you're like, oh, "The fucking Dark Phoenix." Uh, you kind yeah. of get it for a second. Um, yeah, I just think there's some really cool sequences in it. I, I, as I said before, it is a bit long. You could probably cut that prologue down, and there's a few bits and pieces in between like making a fucking return of the dead eye joke like i get it i know what you're doing you're making a joke about the third film in your series but let's think about this runtime let's 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 get people in and out in fucking you know 120 minutes come on they're not blue people they're not all blue people swimming or whatever yeah let's get people out in two hours you know instead of two hours and 36 minutes or whatever it is um and a stinger scene just talking about uh, Quicksilver, like his 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 power set, it's it's very interesting. And then when you realize what his what like his true power is, 
is that every time he stops and talks to you he's talking he's talking in a way that you can understand what he's saying like for him to do the things that you do at your own speed it's slowing down his life because he does things normally that's fast as fuck and for him to be able to be with people and be be around this team it's 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 like kind of shifting his whole life and he chooses to to be here and he chooses to be with this team and it's yeah yeah it's amazing it it just is like there, there's this whole tension with him being magneto's child and everything and i love that it's it's never like it's like he never says it to him because he finds this family yeah well he does you know we 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 after you know the end of apocalypse and you have them yeah we are the x men this is our team professor xavier is in that full chair and he's full bald he's bald he is bald 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 he's all the way bald and um you know god bless it that's what we're waiting for and then a dark phoenix opens with them in in a, a space bound rescue attempt and quicksilver's involved and you know he is part of the team they've got those dope ass costumes again really great use of the powers the thing I I like particularly about this, like I do love some aliens. Me, I loved I love fighting some aliens. X Men fight aliens. That's what they do. In the original Dark Phoenix saga, you know, it's all about aliens because Gene destroys a, 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 a it's either a planet or an entire solar system and you know kills these people and goes on trial for it. But um, more to the point, I I like uh, where Xavier is at this point. Um, you know, he's got a fucking bat phone and he's in the office. He's got an X phone where the president's like, you know, uh, oh yes, hello, Mr. President. Yes, my X-Men, my children that I put in harm's way quite regularly, I will send up into space to get your cosmonauts or whatever the fuck it is. Like, he's so full of himself and so, you know, we are a peacekeeping force now that he's open to, to... uh, threat like this of course that's what's going to happen and and you start losing people when that happens as well like i love that the idea that he's falling in love with his own his own opulence his own uh, uh, uh abilities and excess and he feels like he's won he's won the war he's like magneto was wrong this whole time i've managed to assimilate us into human society and we're now seen as heroes like he's putting yourself on a pedestal doesn't make anything better if anything it makes things worse because then when you succeed you have more people ready to point and say ah see we told you this is what was going to happen so I, I, I at least like that that about it a lot as a theme how do you feel about uh, uh, Dark Phoenix? Do you, is is this the last in your like if you were ranking the four would be this this be the last one and if so why? It would be the last one. It really would, but not but not because I hate it. It's because it's because of the hope that I felt at the end of uh, Apocalypse and how none of it was like ever touched in in Dark Phoenix. It's like it's like all all of that was gone for something that's. Not half as good as what was promised. Charles Xavier and Magneto playing playing chess at the end. It it's it's a full circle moment and whatever with. It's with, a good tie in, yeah. With Jean, with Jean actually being the phoenix and watching over them. It's it's okay. It's it's not it's not the ending I'd hope for, but at least we got we got an ending instead of just having a ramble fucking piece of shit from. Where you don't know how everything's gonna end up, and it ends on a fucking cliffhanger, and then we never get, do we never get anything else? Yeah, and it's again they kind of the writing was on the wall for this one. I think it did did um, hamper them. I think it 
kind of made it difficult for them to make bigger decisions. Um, I do think there's some really good sequences in it. Absolutely. The train sequence, again, like I spoke of before, was great. When Nightcrawler goes full feral and kills those dudes, is pretty. I know they're just aliens. Um, not that there's anything wrong with aliens, but when they're attacking you, uh, it's totally cool. But yeah, it's an easy way to keep the rating down um, by having them not be actual uh, you know, human beings. Um, but uh, the... I would like to know what the original was because they shot an ending for this picture that was set in space. I don't know what the the extent of it was or how it altered the the, the thread of it entirety uh, entirely rather. Um, but I would have liked to at least seen that, seen that as an option because I mean I do like that train sequence and it does you know lead into what would feel like something bigger and then the act just kind of folds in on itself and Gene dies and and that's it and that's kind of like see you later's. But um, yeah, I, 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 there was a missed opportunity there for sure. I know what it was. What was it? Who do you know? So the- whose fox penis are you sucking? Not a fox's penis, obviously. That's weird. I mean, someone who works at Fox, not 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 a not a not a little like a Bowen little Robin Hood fox from that Disney picture that we talked about in our animation episode. Um, so what do you? How do you know this information? This is why context is important. It absolutely, absolutely, it is. Um, so, in context, what information do you have that I don't? Right. So the first uh, was they were they were not going to have all this alien bullshit, and it was actually going to be Emma Frost that was like going to influence Gene, and uh, it was going to be I forget what the name is. Is it the Hellfire Club? Because they were going to have Emma Frost with the Hellfire Club and she manipulates her and brings her in the Hellfire Club and then uh, like tells her that I've been fighting this war for a long time and you have the power to end it. And she's already killed Mystique by this point and uh, Emma Frost Mm. manipulates her. And it's, it's a very cool manipulation because she doesn't she doesn't want the power. She just wants Jean to use as much of it as she, as she can. Sure. And uh, it would like the reason why I'd say that it would have been really interesting to to see that was that at the end of it, she goes to Charles Xavier and and she she tells him what's happening, and then she works with him to 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 at, at least for the moment calm Jean down. And it, it feeds into that thing where Emma Frost has always been this character that's that's always antagonized. And she she's not she she starts off as a as a villain, but then ends up being one of the one of the X Men. Yeah, well I mean even when she is in the X Men, she's you know, in, in Grant Morrison's run, which I read again last year, um, she's having a psychic affair with Cyclops, um, the whole time, which is which is pretty fucked up. And um yeah, she's always antagonistic um i am kind of glad that didn't happen because i i january jones is a great actress in Mad Men, and that's about it like not not nothing against her personally i just don't think she's as good an actress as you probably need in that villain role um unless she was literally playing betty draper um (laughs) so and uh you know i love jessica chastain i think she's great she's playing it very dead because she's supposed to not understand human interaction. That opening scene where she gets possessed and then mercs all, all those dudes by crushing their chests in. That's some cold-blooded shit, man. Um, and uh, I, I think she's, you know, 
under underrepresented because you're too busy trying to bring Magneto back into it again after he finds out that Raven's been killed, which is cool. Like I like that that sequence where he again he fucking hates trains. He pulls this train up from underneath the ground and and you know whoop everybody ass with it. Um, yeah, super cool, super cool sequence. But it does it feels like it should have been more, particularly when you get to the third act. Right. So what was more was that they had fucking scrolls in this film. That they had to cut out because yeah right because uh, you know a certain a certain studio is coming out with 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 a film with with scrolls in it yeah Disney Plus was like um yeah hi um this is Disney Plus here you can't fucking use scrolls we're using them the only scrolls you can have are fucking coffee scrolls what are they they're those things that are pastries that are in a circle and they've got dates in them and then coffee on the top oh okay that sounds lovely who are you i'm not exactly sure (laughs) (laughs) just explaining thinking maybe not everybody in our audience who are mostly people from you know outside of australia uh know what a coffee scroll is it's a lovely it's a lovely treat it's kind of like a big thick danish anyway yeah scrolls okay that's that's interesting that's really interesting i wonder what that would have been because that's that's not even accurate to what the comics are. In the Phoenix Saga, they're um, the Shia, uh, and uh, it's you know Lilandra is is like fucking Charles Xavier's ex girlfriend and shit, and she's an alien person, and she comes down and is like we're putting this this woman on trial for for murdering a civilization. Um, there's a better movie somewhere there, I think. But I think you were right when you said last week. Let's just give the Phoenix Saga. Was it you who said it? Phoenix Saga arrest. Let's just. Not go back to that. Um, and if you want to do it in Marvel, I mean, we'll talk about it, what we want kind of the Disney verse to do with these characters uh, next week. But let's get back to basics. Let's get let's have it. Let's have a threat. Doesn't have to be Magneto. Let's get fucking you know who is Juggernaut. You know, Juggernaut's already a bit on screen. Who's another good X Men? Get Mister Sinister in some shit. He was supposed to be in New Mutants. Get fucking Gambit. Fucking Gambit. <laughs> Would somebody fucking get gambled in something? Shit. <laughs> Cajun delicious. Um, yeah, I get that. Let's let's pack this cast of people we haven't seen, or at least versions of people we haven't seen, um, and, and and make it happen. You know, don't just focus on Wolverine, Wolverine again, and don't just focus on Magneto again. I know the anti-hero is everybody's favourite, but um, let's let's see if we can't can't not move on. So um, just before we move on to kind of our favourite bits and pieces of these pictures um what is your ranking for these four movies i think i think we probably have the same for this one except uh, yeah you, you fucking hate first class don't you what do i hate you hate first class don't you i don't hate it no i i, I hate nothing like i said before the only thing i hate is like fucking nazis and stubbing my toe and 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 <laughs> shit like that um Look, there's no, there's no Monaco bars left in the freezer. I fucking hate that. Monaco bars, everyone, are a beautiful. It's an ice cream sandwich with the cookies on top. I can't eat them anymore because I don't eat animal products. But when I did, it was fucking delicious. The thing, I think you can get vegan ones actually. Sorry, I've got, I've gone off the track. I'm talking about, I'm thinking about this ice cream so much. So I'm quite hungry. I don't hate first class. Is my point. <laughs> I really did get distracted thinking about a Monaco bar. Ice cream sandwich, everyone. It's delicious. Um, yeah, so I don't hate it, but it is at the bottom, yes. All right. So fourth is first class for you then? 
Yeah, yeah. And only because I don't think it's as well executed as the others. It's good. I enjoy it, but it's it's not as well executed story-wise, which is always... And it doesn't make me feel as much, again, which is 100% the thing every time. My number four is Dark Phoenix. Yeah, I figured as much. Sure. Uh, my number three is Dark Phoenix. Um, again, I, I, I do like it a lot more than I thought I would. I like it a lot more than people expected anyone to like it. Um, some really cool sequences... Um, you know, it lives in the same the same world. It just kind of tries to do something a little bit different. But yeah, hampered by what would end up being not their universe anymore. But still, number three. What about you? Yours is your number three is probably apocalypse. Apocalypse. Yeah, it's apocalypse. Fuck no, my number three is first class because uh, I like apocalypse more. Okay. Yeah. Totally fair. Totally fair. Um, so in that case, uh, uh, our our equal second would be would be Apocalypse. Yep. There you go. See, we're we're on the same podcast together, son. Um, and of course, number one, Days of Future Past can't be beat. Yeah, it's it's the first and only superhero film that that uses time travel perfectly. Uh, yeah, yeah, it, it 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 really does, and it's um, uh, it just hits all the sweet spots for for you know not only a really good science fiction because that's what these movies are they're science fiction action adventure kind of pictures, um, but it just hits a sweet spot for good all round movie making and storytelling. It just it has a, a a synchronicity with those two franchises that I don't think even some of these other bigger franchises try to do and miss. Uh, a lot of the time um you know I, I, again i'm not bashing anything but some things i think kind of think that just putting these characters together makes it work and that's not always the case sometimes it's done really successfully you know uh, captain america 3 for instance or whatever but sometimes you just throw these people in a movie together and it doesn't work these two casts folding into each other fucking worked a treat mate it is a treat that's our rankings for the pictures uh, we hope you enjoyed the conversation today. But before we move on uh, to uh, uh, our, our audience questions, which is always my favourite part of the show, let's do our favourite favorite moments and favourite lines um, from these films because there's so much to choose from. Uh, last week was easier because we had three movies <laughs> and you could pick sort of one from each one. But this time we have four just to fuck up the curve. Uh, but I've got mine, uh, mine sorted here. Um, right, so let's do... Uh, let's do the oh one thing i wanted to say as well this isn't part of my favorite moments but it was something i wrote down i love the idea that uh, magneto is in prison for trying to kill jfk and then he explains to xavier he's like no i was trying to save him that's why the bullet curved he's like why are we trying to save him he goes because he was one of us the idea of john f kennedy jr being uh, john f kennedy sorry not john f kennedy jr that was his son john f kennedy being a fucking mutant of course that is a fucking awesome idea i love it when these movies live in the real world and and have there's they have stakes like wolverine fought in world war ii of course he fucking fought in world war ii he was there on d-day like you know i just i i enjoy that kind of shit a lot i don't know why it's just the nerd in me but um let's talk about top three favorite moments so things that happen not things that are said so you want to go first no you go first I'm going first? Okay. In no discernible order. This is in no no discernible order. They're just the, the, the ones that stood out. Uh, we talked about it already. Quicksilver in the kitchen. Yeah. It's fucking awesome. It just it looks great. It's so well executed. Um, it, fucking, you put Jim Croce in a fucking movie, 
it was like in, in, in Stranger Things when they the, the needle drop of um, uh, Don't Mess Around With Jim. I'm, I'm there for it. Jim Croce is probably my favorite uh, uh, singer-songwriter from, from his era. Sadly died in a plane crash way, way too young. Um, I love that song. Fucking Time in a Bottle. Don't, yeah. even, don't even get me started with that shit. And he wrote, it, he wrote it for his son. Is that right? For all the time that he won't be able to spend with him. Yeah. Oh, that's going to make me fucking cry now every time I hear it. Jesus. All right. What's your? What's one of your favorite moments? Uh, I mean, is it is it that big of a shock that we both share the same one? Oh, yeah, I thought as much. Yeah, that's 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 pretty great. Then again, like we didn't talk about it when we were um, when we did the uh, the apocalypse um, chat chatette, we could call it um, a WeChat. Uh, when the kids go to Alkali Lake and release the Wolverine, um, oh and yeah, he's wearing that fucking Weapon X headgear and shit, and it's all fucking hardcore and he's ripping people to shreds and they actually kind of leaned a little bit harder into the violence and then Jean, you know a great moment great great line as well she says what did you do and she holds his face and he kind of calms down and then runs away and he'll be like i'll be back to fuck you in about two years um but (laughs) whatever (laughs) it's true don't act like it's not no Um, and uh 10 years then fine here's the thing them doing that deliberately shows that these films are nowhere close to the original. Because this Wolverine fucking runs off, right? He does. He runs off butt-ass naked, mostly, in the in the snow. Exactly. So, you're right. Hard sexual reset with, with Days of Future Past, by the sounds of it. Um, but, yeah, she touches his face and calms him down and, and, uh, and says, um, he's like, what did you do? And she goes, I gave him back a piece of his past. Um, that's yeah, super, super cool moment. I loved it. Um, so use a quick server as well. Um, yeah, sorry. We, we talked about it before Eric on the train in dark Phoenix, closing his fist and crushing the back carriages and then just flicking them away with his wrist. These are train carriages, people like a level of power that, that you just, you, you, you can't, you can't not, um, uh, take notice of. I, I, yeah, it's a super cool moment. So what's another one of your favorite moments? Um, I would say uh, in first class when Eric lifts up the the submarine, because that's a that's a reflection of uh, it's a reflection of what Charles teaches him that it's uh, is a space between pain and serenity. Like that particular moment in the um when he's in the water and he's like on his back, and he's just trying to calm him down. Like that's what a beautiful way to introduce those two characters. My my first one is also from that film where, and it's it's in in that it's in that scene where he's in the water and Eric says, uh, "I thought I was the only one. I thought I was alone," and Eric says, "You're not alone, my friend." It's fucking heartbreaking because like it's it's like this fucking married couple in this fucking movie, and then at the end they have this fucking breakup that that's like almost a nuclear war. <laughs> It's like a Spielberg picture. Um, <laughs> lots of people get divorced in Spielberg movies. The only person who likes divorce more than Spielberg is Roland Emmerich. Um, but yeah, the, you do you do get that feeling like it's the two dads, you know, kind of thing. Um, no, I like that a lot, though. Rather the two daddies. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> I love it. I love it how you leaned into the mic. That's great. Two daddies. That's absolutely right. Speaking of two daddies, my next uh, one is um, Eric in the Forest taking out those 
idiots with their bow and arrows, oh, yeah. um, you know, thinking that they could they could best Magneto for crying out loud, and you know, God bless him, his family gets killed again from Christ. But um, yeah, it does does uh, supply some dope ass moment where he just flips a goddamn necklace through these dudes' necks, and then it lands back in his hand, and it's got blood all over it. Like, yes, mm, I dig it. What's your favorite last favorite moment? I'd say them playing chess in the, in the first one, where Magneto says uh, that, and I've done the post about it as well, and where Magneto says that yep. uh, meet that uh, the world is gonna find out mutants, that mutants exist, and it's either us or them, and it's 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 it just goes to show that. They both want the same thing, but their bringing is what uh, makes them choose these different methods of achieving peace, where Charles is optimistic that we can work together. Mm. And instead of hate and torture, we can bring in an of peace and acceptance, where Magneto feels like every human is going to be like Shaw. Yeah. And they're both, and they're both right in certain ways. And it just, it's heartbreaking because like that's that's when you realize that it's it's all doomed from here. Like mm. they were never they were never supposed to be on the same team. And as much as they love each other, they they will always be on on the different side of the coin. Yeah. And that's and that's the fucking title of of the like that's the poster of the film. It's it's X Men First Class and it's the coin that that Eric uses to kill Shaw at the end. Yeah, yeah, it's such a great sequence too, and I mean, there's no no denying it. Even even um, uh, you know, Stan Lee came out and said it, and it's it's always toted around. These two characters are supposed to be the antithesis of each other, and and it, it is akin to uh, you know the the um, ethos of Martin Luther King and and Malcolm X, um, absolutely. And uh, you know, that's just good good storytelling. If you can find something real in your characters to to, to tell a story um, that comes from a real place, whether it's about people who can fucking levitate or not that's super cool um right so top three favorite lines uh you have to go first this time all right my top my number three is uh, from apocalypse i hate myself because i don't have your x-men now on here that's okay that's all right my brother but uh yeah my number three is um when apocalypse uses charles's mind to connect to everyone and apocalypse is uh, to all the powerful people in the world, this world will be yours. And uh, and Charles, while channeling apocalypses, to all the powerful people of the world, protect those without. Yeah. And it's it's such an amazing art coming, especially coming after uh, uh, Days of Future Past, where he's the one who's 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 powerless and gave up his power just to walk. Yeah. And yeah. for him to say it and for like the exact the next cut is Eric looking at him just shows that that yeah it's it's that th- these two people believe in what they're doing mm. and you can't take that away from them. And also um, it's such a beautiful moment, but uh, also made doubly beautiful by the fact that James McAvoy is wearing a delicious lavender sweater. Would you just call the fashion police? 
their job's over. That's that's they can all retire because that is the peak of of X Men eighties fashion. I love it. Um, yeah, but honestly, yeah, beautiful moment and beautiful attire. Um, my favorite is uh, my third favorite is um, uh, yeah uh, Magneto um, in uh, the plane that we we're talking about in Days of Future Past where Xavier screams at him, "You abandoned me!" The big fucking Jesse, and um, and he's like, well, "Where were you, Charles? We were supposed to protect him. Where were you uh, when your people needed you, hiding you and Hank, pretending to be something you're not?" Um, just the power behind that line of like, "We do not agree." And we will never agree because you're weak and I'm strong. Like that's just as as a villain, there is nothing more important you can do than give them a cause and and give them a reason and and a, and a way to be understood. Like he has a point. These people have treated their their um, uh, I guess race f- like shit forever. Whether it means just hating them or killing them or using them, uh, particularly in the military and in scientific ways. Um, you know, he's not wrong that some of them don't deserve, um, uh, 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 to be saved. Um, so yeah, really, really strong moment. What's it, what's the second one for you? Fuck it. I'm, I'm going to say you're X-Men from Apocalypse. Fuck it. Do it! It's metal, man. It is fucking punk rock. I love it. Um, my second one, hang on, where are we up to? Yes, my second one, um, would be... It's said in German. I'm not going to say it in German, um, but it's in first class again. Magneto, because he's the man. Oh, uh, goes yeah, into that I know bar what it is. and and uh, you know goes to kill them dudes, and um, uh, it's 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 pretty powerful. And they say, oh, you know, my my we're from Dusseldorf, and he's like, my parents were from Dusseldorf. He's like, oh, what were the names? He's like, they didn't have a name. It was taken from them by pig farmers, and he clinks the glass and tailors, and you're like. Oh shit! This all these dudes are about to get killed. Um, yeah, fucking fucking love it. So cool. And the scene that follows, where where he talks about honor and blood, and he says, "What do you want first? And and the guy says, "We're just following orders." And he says, "Blood it is," and then he fucking stabs him. That's one of the best scenes in an X Men film, or a film ever in general. Um, yeah, I love it so much. Um, and finally, for me. This is this is um, a mirrored in uh, the original X Men where Charles is playing chess in uh, uh, Magneto's plastic prison, and he's like, "Why do you keep coming here, Charles?" That kind of thing, and he says to him, "You know, one day they're going to come for you and your children." And and this is mirrored uh, mirrored at the end of Apocalypse. Um, he says, "I feel a great swell of pity for anyone who comes to my school looking for trouble." I'm like fucking yeah, the X Men. Like, it's just, it's so fucking cool, man. I love it so much. And what's your number one? Oh, I didn't do my number two. Yes, you did. You did. Oh, no, okay. Sorry. You, I thought you were saying that your number two was the, coming off of my one. What was your number two then? You got to do two and one now. Uh, yeah. My number two is uh, also from, I oh, know, fuck, I did my number two, didn't I? So it's your, your X-Men. Fuck. Yeah, I thought that. Yeah, you're confusing the shit out of me. Number one then, please. Oh, God. No. Okay. I got one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Don't fret. Yeah, I, d- I turn into Morty from Rick and Morty sometimes, where I just I, I talk to myself in in, the, in that voice. Clearly. <laughs> um, I love it. My number one line of all X-Men films is um, just because someone loses their way and stumbles doesn't mean that they're lost forever. Fine words to take on into the world with you, people. 
as we finish the episode and you go off to to fill your day with probably a whole bunch of non x-men related shit but um thank you so much for listening we do have a do we have any questions this week we have a couple of questions we do wonderful well then let's let's do some questions All right, so question time. We've got five questions. Here's question number one for you, Ed. What underused character would both of you love to see given a bigger push in the MCU? One that's already established? No, oh, just any X-Men character. Um, underutilized? Well, Gambit. We just said it. We said it before. Gambit, 100%. Like, it's, you know, it's such a cool character. Let's get it going. And, and get him to fucking do some fucking mouth stuff with Brogue. Yeah, and let Disney Plus take my fucking pitch with their... Gambit and Rogue uh, Vision type show. Please, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Yeah, we talked about it last week. Pitch that shit. Um, cool. All right. What's question number two? Uh, what character storyline from the original films would you like to see less of? I think we both have the answer for this one. I said the Phoenix, uh, the Phoenix saga. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Let's let's not let's not see the Phoenix pop up again uh, in, in whatever the MCU does. Absolutely not. What X-Men character would be interesting to see in the... In the current state of the political world, of the world political climate. Of the world's political climate? Yeah. And it goes on to say, uh, Ryan Coogler tackling mutant life, the mutant lives matter would be cool as fuck. Which, yes! Yeah, I, yeah I've got to agree with that. We, we said that last week. And so this person, whoever wrote that question in, is right on the money. Um, yeah, well, if that's the case, then then uh, I think Hank McCoy, uh, as you know, expanding on the idea of him being a mutant ambassador at the UN, uh, or the ambassador for mutant affairs, or whatever it is. Um, yeah, I would I would absolutely watch a, a West Wing style show with fucking Hank McCoy as the lead. You know what I mean? Sort of fucking the Beast in the Ballots, or whatever the fuck it is. You know, just something cool like that. I totally game for that. What about you? Yeah. Yeah, I got the same, man. The first thing that popped into my mind was Beast. And I have, like, the practical makeup that they did, that they did in these films. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's 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 the way to go. And you do it. He's a young, you know, guy, decides to get into politics and, you know, rises up. And it could be sort of like a not funny version of uh, uh, She-Hulk, where instead of being a lawyer, he's a politician. Yeah. Although my, my one thing is when you do the makeup, right, just, just watch, just watch the... The first season of the anime that exists called X-Men. Just watch that because there's a beast there that's fucking amazing. And he has like this. He has the nose of a fucking dog. Mm. Like his nose like comes out like that. And just have that please. I really want that. I really want that in live action. Yeah. More more sort of almost more wolf-like. Yeah. That was a redesign that was done during uh, Grant Morrison's run. It was a secondary evolution, which started to happen to a lot of characters. Uh, during that run it was really interesting um and beast in particular went went more feral so yeah i'm on board for that um what's question number four also just i just want to point out because i don't think a lot of people know um in a pop in a pop oh fuck me (laughs) what happened i said apocalypse ah apocalypse yeah they're they're my favorite lollipops (laughs) <laughs> a pop lips uh, <laughs> in apocalypse when we meet um, nightcrawler he's blue and the reason is that uh, I guess what it's implied is that 
Mystique also fucked Izazel, and that's what happened. That's yeah. I mean, in the comics, I don't know if Azazel is present in the comics. Honestly, I've never seen him before. But um, uh, in the in the comics, Nightcrawler is uh, Mystique's son. Absolutely. Oh, cool. That's yeah. great. In the comic, in the in the cartoon series as well. So, um, yeah, whatever. Enjoy yourselves. Fuck big red dudes with tails. Yeah. You can, get, you can use you use that tail for some shit. Shit. You can do you can do DP without even fucking worrying about it. You know. <laughs> Oh no, <laughs> we've devolved into DP. Okay, what? Question number four, please. DP, what? Fucking dick pics. Double penetration. Oh, yeah. See, so I have. I'm fucking innocent, man. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> Not the longer you stay on this pod- podcast, the fucking less chance it is you'll stay that way. <laughs> um, I'm telling you. Uh, yeah, yeah, so, sorry, question number four. Hopefully it doesn't have anything to do with double pen. <laughs> Christ. It's very adults only, this episode. Um, Mutants only. Yeah. Uh, thoughts on Deadpool playing with the brand new X-Men, aka Reboot version 3. Yeah, cool. Totally, totally cool with that. I mean, you need to keep things separate in some ways because this, you know, the X-Men needs to have its own thing and Deadpool needs to be its own thing. But, you know, they can interact <clears throat> in a funny way in a, in a Deadpool movie and then a not funny way in their own. So as long as you keep them separate and serve two masters, I guess. Yeah. Although it would be funny to, you know, to have Logan and... and uh, I was going to say Logan and Wolverine. <laughs> <laughs> the double. Like, uh, yeah, to have Logan and uh, Deadpool go to to uh, the the mansion in the MCU and it's it's the new cast. And that's the first time we ever see them. Like, there's no there's no announcement of who's going to play who until we see them. Yeah, no, no preamble at all. Yeah, I do like that idea. But I mean, it's we live in the Internet age. I don't think that's going to happen. There's going to be so much fucking guff around it. Um, but yeah, what about you? You cool with that? Yeah, I mean. Like I said, man, all I want is is just respect and uh, R E S P E C T. That's not yep. how you spell it. <laughs> yep. I just I just want respect and uh, admiration for these characters. I don't I don't want them to fuck up. Honestly, if they do, it'd be the last time I ever watch an MCU film. Ooh, you hear that Disney Plus? You can get fucked, mate. Better better be careful. Yeah, all right. Well, um. We'll make sure we do a really good job for you, Addy, all right? Oh, he's in a good mood today. Must have got a handy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> or a double pen. Um, <laughs> you on with... Fucking hell. I'm starting to lose it. It's getting really hot in this room. For anybody who's interested, it is 38 degrees in Melbourne today and I am, I'm in my office and I don't have air conditioning in here and it is outrageously hot. I am sweating balls and losing my little mind. I feel like fucking... I feel like goddamn Martin Sheen going down the river in Apocalypse Now, getting ready to go insane. Okay, question five, the final question. Oh, God. That's it. <laughs> Fuck. Why do you all love Dark Phoenix? Because it's better. What was the question? <laughs> Why do we all love... Dark Phoenix. I don't think either of us love Dark Phoenix, but I think it's way... I think both of us think it's way better than The Last End. Yeah, I, I yeah, I have to agree with that. If it's no, if anything, it's just more competently put together. So what? Sorry, the actual wording was, "Why do you all love Dark Phoenix?" Question mark. Yeah. 
Who's y'all? There's two of us. That's not a y'all. That's at least four people a y'all. Which is just, why do you two would have been more accurate. Um, but whatever. Thanks for chiming in. Uh, yeah, as I said, I, I, like, love and hate are two very strong emotions. Um, what I love is the X-Men. Um, uh, 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 what I hate is, um, you know... Uh, uh, <laughs> Nazis and apparently... Nazis. Apparently and, Kanye. And, and I don't hate Kanye. I think Kanye is 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 troublesome and he needs some help. Um, but you know, I hate uh, when my toothbrush runs out of batteries. But more to the point, um, yeah, in the middle there somewhere is my feelings for Dark Phoenix, which is just I enjoyed watching it. it, it it's a decent enough film, um, you know, and it definitely does a better job than Last Stand. You're right. Yeah, my thoughts exactly. Well, there you go, pals. That's it. We're done. We're done. That's uh, episode 25, by the way. Is it? Yeah. Been doing this for like half a year. I love it. Um, thank you so much for joining us, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the X-Men chats. We'll be back next week for one more episode on the X-Men where we will discuss uh, the, the, the the Logan pictures or the Wolverine pictures, Deadpool, New Mutants, uh, Mutants, New Mutants, some more mutants, some cartoon mutants, and what we hope the mutants are going to be in the future. Um, but until then, Addy, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, I cherish you. You're hot as fuck, man. I am. It's really hot. It is <laughs> It is absolutely... If, if I was a cartoon, I'd have steam lines coming off me. Dude, dude, and I'd be glowing red. I'd be pulsing like that. But it's it's good to be loved. And, um, and, and I appreciate you. And um, yeah, do make sure that you... Uh, uh, you know, if you're listening to the show, rate and review wherever you listen. It really does help us out. And get in touch again, even if it's not just about the questions. Hit us up with some with some with some chats. My man Chaz, he, he's he's always talking to me on Instagram. This dude, really lovely guy. He fucking he just comes in and he just chimes in about the show. Gave me props for for dropping morph <laughs> to talking about morph in the episode the other day. He's like nice morph drop. I was like, thanks Chaz, appreciate it, bro. So yeah, be like Chaz, everyone. Come on in and and join the fun. So um, we'll see you next week. And uh, remember... Stay amazing and stay safe. But before we go, I just want to say one more thing. Um, for sure. I've seen... Like, we've we've been doing this for, for a long time. Right? Mm. And, and uh, we, we upload episodes on YouTube because, uh, you know, that's more accessible for a lot of people. Sure. And uh, because it's an audio-based podcast, like, we just... There's just pictures and audio... When you, when you upload it to YouTube. I've seen the Black Adam episode go from 18 views to currently 2,000 views. Yeah, it's amazing. And uh, I just I just wanted to say thank you because it's... Uh, I, that, that whole... Those two episodes of just dropping back to back with the Superman episode dropping right after the mm. Black Adam one, it's, it's the most chaotic I've ever felt. <laughs> <laughs> Understandably. Understandably. But it was like, especially when, when we dropped it, like the news was out that, that Superman was gone. And we talked majority about Superman in that episode. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, just it's 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 just good to see that people, you know, are, are, are watching our shit. Yeah, well, absolutely. We appreciate whoever you are, wherever you are listening uh, on whatever platform. Um, thanks so much for supporting the show. And, uh, and yeah, keep it up. We'll be back. We'll be back with some more stuff next week. And like Logan said, we're watching. Schnicked. Schnicked.